White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 656. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. Well, I went to the rock to hide my face and the rock right out, no hiding place. Andy, there's no hiding place around here. We are back. We are back to talk about, and the rock cried out in a hiding place. How are you? I, I'm good. And you know what, Van? Uh, that was not a joyful sound. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it wasn't the joyful sound the Lord had in mind, Andy. <laughs> this is this is the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Sometimes I don't even say that. I've kind of gotten to where I just assume everybody knows who we are by now. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico. And I have one foot in Illinois right now and one foot in Atlanta, as I always say. And you'll find out why in just a minute. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Andy Fix. Andy, how are you tonight? I am doing fantastic, man. Well, I'm certainly in a very good mood because not only is this Dragon Con beginning week, although it, it runs into next week as well, which is awesome. So we'll talk a little bit about that, obviously, as, as folks know. <laughs> but also, we have two new patrons this week. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's exciting. That's very cool. Yeah. And and lots of good comments from the Patreon page. So let me just go ahead and mention it now. One of the cool things about our patrons is they have cool comments and chats and stuff on the Patreon page, and I try to read what I can on our show every episode. And so if you want to join in the family, join in the fun, uh, just go to www.b5review.com and click on the button Become a Patron. It'll take you to the Patreon page for this show. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review. I think it's White Rocket Reviews because we do, we do other things too, but the main thing we do uh, for that Patreon is Babylon 5 Review. And we are almost to the end of Season 3. Can you believe it? I, this season has gone by super fast, I think. Yeah, it really has. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it. I have a couple of announcements, though. Um, first, let me, as always, check and see if you have anything you need to point out or let us know about. I don't. I'm okay. good. Good. Well, the main thing is, I said, this is Dragon Con week. For those that don't know, Dragon Con is the biggest, like, multi, it's the biggest fan-run, multi-everything science fiction, comic, fantasy, everything convention. It's become a huge cosplay convention is what a lot of it is now uh, in North America. Uh, it doesn't have quite as many people every year as San Diego Comic Con, but San Diego Comic Con is really a corporate kind of thing where they show off new movies and you know TV shows and stuff. This is right. a fan-run convention that just happens to get eighty-five thousand people every year in like six hotels and the entire you know two of the entire merchandise mart buildings. And I always say it's like about thirty conventions all running at the same time next door to each other, literally in some cases next door to each other. 
And right. that, um, I think they draw more people than the Atlanta Falcons do. Yeah, that's about right. They do, yeah. Well, and because they put on a better product most of the time. Oh, there you go. <laughs> They'll make you spit your wine out, Andy. Um, but <laughs> this will be my 25th Dragon Con. Holy cow. Yep, my 25th. And it will be like the 12th, I guess, that I have been an invited guest. And that is very exciting. Wow. So, yeah, so, I was... So, I, I'm doing the math here, Van. That means that you started going to Dragon Con at the age of 10? <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> I wish that were the case. Uh, you know that Mira's, Mira's going to go with me again this year. She went last year. Mira's first Dragon Con was before she was even born. Um, and then her second Dragon Con, <laughs> she was in a stroller, and it was awesome because I used her stroller like a bulldozer to clear us a path through all the crowds to get to the escalators <laughs> and the elevators and everything. So Mira's had quite the Mira had quite the Dragon Con experience before she she even knew it, right? Um, right, that's yeah, awesome. It is awesome. So this, she's gonna have a good time. She, I was telling somebody at class today at my work that I think that Mira's favorite thing about Dragon Con actually. Is having the the guest pass, the guest of guest pass that 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 she you know lanyard you know, because that lets her pretty much yep. go wherever she wants, skip the line, and everything. So she has a good time with that. That's it's really should nice. only be used properly, but I think she kind of enjoys having you know a little 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 skeleton key, you know what I mean for for certain things. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, so here's the here if you're if you're coming to Dragon Con or you're interested, it starts uh, the the folks that listen to the show regularly, just the regular listeners. It's all, it's, you're to the last day, all right? You're listening to this on Monday of next week, and it's, and, and that's Labor Day is when this drops, and it's, Labor Day is the last day. So I, I hate it for you guys. Hopefully you already know. But our patrons get this show early, and we're recording even earlier than usual, so they'll get even more notice, right? So we're recording this the Monday prior to the Monday that it drops, and our patrons will have it like on Tuesday of this week, and, um, Mira and I will be boarding a plane to fly to Atlanta on Wednesday, August 31st. Uh, and you can find me from like Friday morning through Monday morning at table 436 in Pop Artists Alley. That is on the fourth floor of Merchandise Mart Building 2. That sounds complicated, but when you break it down, it's not. Just go to Merchandise Mart 2. There'll be signs all over the place. You just walk down the sidewalk to Merchandise Mart 2. Go up to the fourth floor, and there'll be a big mural that says Pop Artist Alley, and I'm at table 436. And um, our uh, good member of our podcasting network, Jared, the yard sale artist, Albrick, will be at the table next to me. Do you, he'll do sketches for you. He'll do drawings for you. He'll sell you pictures, prints, whatever you like. Also, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the Kennesaw Room of the Hyatt Regency, I will be doing a reading where I will, where I will dramatically perform parts of several of my books, and I'll have copies to sell and to sign. We always have a good time at my reading, so that'll be fun. I always have a nice little crowd in there, and I try to, like, you know, theatrically perform it with different voices and stuff, so that's always fun. Uh, and then finally, and this is the one that's probably of most interest to most of our listeners, on Monday morning, right before the con starts to wind down, Monday morning at 11.30 in the Westin, which is the Atlanta hotel with the, it's the big glass cylinder from Sharky's Machine with Burt Reynolds. Inside, Classic. Yes, inside that hotel, the Westin. It's, it's called the Westin now. I don't know what it was called back then. Inside there, when you first go in the hotel... And turn right, there's a, I mean, you would go in, there's a room on the right, I don't remember the room name or number, but it's the military sci-fi media track, and that is the track where Babylon 5 lives now. 
And at 11.30 on Monday, I will be on a panel debating Babylon 5 versus Deep Space Nine. <laughs> the classic argument. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. To close out Dragon Con with some Babylon 5 versus Deep Space Nine action. That should be really, really fun. So don't because miss if they that. did that on the if they did that on the first night of Dragon Con, the, the <laughs> chaos would spill out into the crowds and ruin the whole weekend. It would, it would. All right. That's all I have for Dragon Con, other than to say that you, Andy Fix, have alluded to maybe coming in the future. I will be there next year, Van. I, I'm sorry I missed out on oh. this year, but things came up that uh uh, prevented me from making plans, but next year we will we'll, we will definitely we'll, we'll have a little party there. Oh, that will be so good. And let's go ahead for our listeners and our patrons and start thinking now. Come to Dragon Con next year. Andy and I will both be there. And whether we do it as officially part of a track or whether we do it separately, you and I can record a special episode right there with our listeners, our patrons that can come, and we'll do a whole, we'll let them have comments and, and ask questions and talk. That should be awesome. we got to remember to do that. Definitely. And maybe, just maybe, with the uh, the possible upcoming series being greenlit, oh. if it does, oh. there, might be some, there might be some guests there of, of the Babylon 5 variety. Because the Ooh. Babylon 5 coming back into the, the uh, collective geek uh, culture might spur some guest appearances of new or old cast members. So that, that would be true. really cool. That is true, yeah. They it, it, what the what Dragon Con tends to do is they the different tracks request different guests every year, and they kind of rotate around through different shows. So this year, the military sci-fi track where Babylon Five lives is also the home to the Stargate shows, to Space Nineteen Ninety Nine, to Firefly, Farscapes, a lot of shows like that that have kind of a military angle to them. They're going to have a lot of Stargate guests this year. I know that that um, uh, Sh- Colonel Shepard from Atlantis is going to be there, and um, the uh, what's her name? The lady that was kind of like a, from another planet, but joined up with them on that show. Like Taylor, I think her name was Taylor. I, I think I've watched three episodes of that that whole entire franchise. Well, we got to fix that, Andy, because <laughs> Stargate Atlantis is awesome. Stargate SG One is good. Stargate Atlantis is awesome, and Stargate Universe is just absolutely fantastic. So, really, I, I think I've seen the, the half of the first season of Stargate SG One. And I think the only thing I know of Stargate Atlantis is that it has Aquaman in it. Yeah. Oh, Jason Momoa. Yeah, he's on there, too. Yeah, that's his name. Ronan Dax, man. Ronan is awesome. Him is Big Gun. He's fantastic. All right. I'm going to go ahead and put down a note that when we finish Babylon 5 at some day, Stargate Atlantis is one of the shows that I would kind of like to put in our queue. We'll see. There's other things we can do. We talked about doing it. We talked about The Expanse. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can mix and match. Maybe we can alternate or something. We'll come up with something. But just, right. just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out I'm there. To- I'm totally open. All right. Well, we'll see what the listeners want us to do. We'll see. All right. Let's go ahead and get into the show. Again, as I always like to point out at this point, we don't have commercials on this show at all. We don't drop ads into the middle of other than me talking like this. www.b5review.com. Become a patron. You get, you get as this week, you're going to get like a six day early access to the episode. You get to leave comments that I read on the air and questions and maybe other stuff, right? We continue to add new things. So, I do want us to do a video here or there that we can post up. We did the we did the card game video for the yeah. patrons, so they got yeah. to see us play uh, play the card game. All right. So uh, once again, let me remind you: we save spoilers to the end after the spoiler section sound effect, which is the jump gate. So this episode we have three twenty 
and the rock cried out, no hiding place. All right, as always, we only have one episode this week. We only have one episode right. this week and one episode the next two weeks for sure. Uh, and we may carry that forward because season four <laughs> is kind of a one episode per episode season, a lot of right. it, right? Right, it, it's kind of a doozy. Yeah. So, as always, do you want to kick or receive? I mean, do you want to do you want to receive or do you want to defer the second half? I will defer till next week. I, I want I want you to take this one. All right. I always just cheat and use the lurker's guide. So here, but I'm going to throw in a little bit more. So here's the summary. Londo uses Jakar and Veer to gain power in the Centauri Royal Court. Well, that doesn't tell you how. And right. then it said, and then Sheridan is consumed by his analysis of the Shadow's strategies. That does a good job of kind of leading you up to what happens in the episode. And I would add the long arc of Lord Rifa comes to a conclusion. Kind of unexpected. I didn't see this coming. Right. And um, Sheridan and Delenn turn to an unexpected source to kind of snap Sheridan out of his fight the shadows funk that he settled right. into, which is gospel music. The power of, <laughs> power of gospel. I will say that the actor who played uh, uh, Lord Rifa did also did not see his end coming quite so soon. No, right, right. All right, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So this was episode 320. There's only two more to go, as kind of was alluded to during the episode. There's only two more to go in season right. three. Yeah. Originally aired September 8th, 1996 in the UK and October 14th, 1996 in the US. I'm telling you right now, Andy... If, if the next two episodes aired like a month earlier in Britain, and I don't remember offhand, but we'll find out as we go, I don't know how Americans stood it. Can you imagine having to wait a whole month knowing the British had seen the end of season three? Well, I will tell you, I was a, a big Babylon 5 fan back then, and I had absolutely no idea what time it aired in, in Britain because yeah. this was in the... the, the, the yeah. dawn age of the internet so i i mean i i didn't follow that quite so so much as as kids these days know how to do so they they no, couldn't I, get a, they couldn't get away with this now oh absolutely not yeah that that would well i mean they do it with with the movies you know like like the the marvel yeah. movies drop in in different countries up to a month before yeah that's true that's true and it I tell you, I've rarely been as mad about something like that as when Captain America, one of the Captain America movies, opened in Europe um, like a month before it did here. I'm like, of all movies, why would you open Captain freaking America in like France a month before you open it here? I wanted to fight somebody over that. I was mad. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, this one was written by JMS, of course. We're still in that long stretch. And it was directed by David J. Eagle, who is... Again, if he's not on the Mount Rushmore of Babylon 5 directors, he is Rushmore adjacent. Okay. Notable guest stars. And I actually had to kind of go digging because, and I still of this recording don't have one of them. So maybe you can help me out with this. I don't know. Um, They only listed on the Lurker's Guide Louis Turin as Brother Theo and William Forward as Lord Rifa. One last time. Um, f- but I was able mm-hmm. to find in the closing credits Francois Giraudet as Minister Varini, Marva Hicks as the singer. Okay. But I never found the credit for the black <laughs> minister, the preacher. I liked him so much, and I never found out who he was. His name is Men Winkler. There you go. M-E-N is his first name, and his last name is Winkler, W-I-N-K-L-E-R. Well, I appreciate that. Good deal. All right, so Men Winkler. Uh, and there's one other. 
I'm here for you, Van. Yes, you you were there for sure. Um, when when <laughs> Jakar first goes to Narn later in this episode, there's a there's a Narn there that he talks to, and they're looking out the window at the at the at the climate damage, right? The the ec- ecological damage right. that's been done. Who played Jadan, the Narn that that Jakar was talking to at the window? I have no idea. Wayne Alexander. Really? The Inquisitor himself, Jack the Ripper himself, right. and somebody else coming up, which, spoilers, right? Right. That was good old Wayne Alexander that's, in a tiny little role. That's crazy. I'm going to say this, too. I didn't put this in the show notes, but I, I was going to, well, maybe I did. Maybe I did. I think I did. Never mind. I'll, we'll get to it. All right. Uh, do you have any random factoids or notes you'd like to share? Uh, well, I do have one for the, uh, spoiler space. Ah. So, no, yeah. I don't have anything to share right now. Um, I'm going to make a note for the spoiler space. You're hearing it right on the fly. There it is. All right, I've just added a note to the spoiler space rather than mention it now. I try to be very careful. All right, so let's get on, uh, let's get into what I have. Um, this, I think, this is roughly tied with a season five episode that I will not name, for the longest title in the series, there is a there's an episode in season five that has a title about the same length as this one. Um, I was going to mention I love the way JMS wrote the wrote Londo's dialogue when he's talking to Minister Verini. And by the way, I know Minister Verini because he has a card in the card game. They were <laughs> they were making cards out of anybody that was on the screen for two right. seconds, right? Jadan, he has a card. Okay. Um, I like that they wrote Londo's dialogue when he's talking to Minister Verini, so you can't actually tell what Londo is saying is going to happen. He says he's going to rid the Centauri of an annoyance and an embarrassment, and we're supposed to think he means Jakar after what he just said to Veer, right? Uh, right. Turned out that wasn't what he meant after all. But he says it, JMS has him say it in such a way that you can't tell. When I heard it the first time, I totally thought he meant Jakar. Right. But you go back and listen, knowing what we know now, and you're like, ah. I see, you know. Very he's, good. He's pretty sneaky, that Molari. He is. Well, we learn there's a thriving underground on Earth opposing President Clark that, the, that Clark's trying to cover up. Ah, we have some unanswered questions. Z minus 14 days. Hmm. Mm. What could that possibly be referring to? That's a good question. Right, Probably can... the season finale. Well, and we will. But what does the Z mean? We will get to that in the spoiler space. Uh, but Hopefully, it doesn't mean a Russian invasion. Never. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the uh, this 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 the season finale aired two weeks after this episode. If that tells anybody anything, that's not a spoiler. That happened years ago. But the season finale aired two <laughs> weeks after this episode, and it said Z minus fourteen days. So draw your own conclusions. All right. Here's some unanswered questions. Why didn't Delenn inform Sheridan of the fleet of White Star ships before now? Did she just want to make it a big surprise? Yes. Okay, I like it. I'll go with that. That worked for me. <laughs> that one's now been answered. <laughs> Delenn, it's our two-year anniversary of knowing each other, and so I got you this ring. Oh, John, I got you a fleet of starships <laughs> with Vorlon technology. You win, Delenn. <laughs> Taking the ring back. Um, how long have the Minbari been building these ships? And Nehrun mentioned something about it in retrospect in Gray 17 is Missing. I think they were built by the workers and the religious, right? The warriors didn't have anything to do with it. 
Um, and they are led by the Rangers, not by the Mimbari. So how many ships were in that fleet? That was Did my next say? question. I, she, I don't think she yeah. says in this episode. I think it's kind of like the Eagles on Space 1999, as many as you need. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, that requires a good, what, I'd say a dozen people to man each ship? That you'd think, yeah. That, I mean, that was easily a few hundred ships. Well, White Stars are funny in that they are bigger than you think when they need to be and smaller than you think when they need to be. Like they change right. size almost. Right. Yeah. They are the size of plot. Yes, that's exactly the size they are, which is how big Jakar's box needed to be, remember? The size right. of the plot for him, <laughs> yes. All right. Um, what will Sheridan use the data crystal given to him by the Reverend for? I'm going to just go ahead and say I assume it's just more evidence along with, like, the doctor, remember, that was on the run. And they just yep. keep accumulating stuff. Right. Yeah, none of this is a slam dunk thing, but it's all just more stuff they can use, more stuff they can use. They can use it for information psyops, like what mm. the uh, the uh, Ukrainians are doing with their select videos of of quote unquote victories in their war against Russia. They're releasing that for much propaganda. Mm-hmm. Okay, good deal. Um, Verini, Minister Verini mentions that Londo's house is gathering a lot of funds, a lot of money. Where is Londo getting this money? I don't know that we ever learn the answer to this, do we? Right. I mean, I don't know if that's a spoiler, but I just I don't think we ever mention they ever mention it again. They well, before. they got rid of the, they got rid of the Zocalo, so maybe uh, I don't know. <laughs> so Certainly not from gambling. You know, I was going to say it's not that Londo's gaining money; he's just not losing money <laughs> right. so much anymore. So he's able to send more home. Yeah, that must be it. Yeah, there you go. I like that answer a lot. You got a lot of good answers in you tonight, Andy. You're kicking butt. You're batting a thousand uh, right now. I got a lot of something in me. <laughs> um, so, what is the real reason for the shadows' attack pattern? They finally figure out that may be one that gets answered in the next couple of episodes. We'll see. I don't. Re- I honestly don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen uh, the next two episodes. So, for some reason, I've seen this one more recently, but I don't remember seeing uh, the next two. So, and then finally, is Natoth in fact still alive? And as of this episode, we don't know. Right? We don't know. All right, here's a few other factoids. The song uh, from which the title is derived, No Hiding Place, refers to the book of Revelation in which a man attempts to hide from the wrath of God in mountains and rocks. Okay, cool. During Rifa's death scene, as the vocalist sings uh, Jesus, there's a close-up of Jakar. I noticed that. It was like off by about a split second, but that, mm-hmm. that kind of worked. Um, JMS said in reference to the killing of Rifa while they're singing it's a reference to cabaret it says in cabaret there's a scene where performers are doing the sort of German dance where you slap your knees and thighs and chest and it's all for comic effect but during this you're intercutting uh, the owner of the cabaret being beaten within an inch of his life by some brown shirts outside you go from comic to brutal and back with the result that the happy little dance takes on ugly characteristics and the beating takes on the sense that the participants are having a sick kind of fun. Yeah. That's, what, that's what you look for as a writer, how this scene works, how it interacts with the scenes in front, behind, and beside it. Sometimes with a proper counterpoint, you can add new levels of meaning to the scene or make it stronger. Okay. So, interesting fact here. My wife uh, is an avid fan of uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. And she said the final episode of the last season had a very strikingly similar scene 
where uh, no spoilers. And, and I mean, in case you watch that show, you should probably have watched that by now. But there is a scene in there where one of the main character, one of the main antagonists, is running for his life from a group of women. And everywhere he turns, he's running through the woods. Everywhere he turns, every tree he goes around, there's another group of women there chasing him. And the, it's juxtaposed with uh, an upbeat, an upbeat pop song. So they're playing this this pop song from the '80s. I forget I forget what song she said it was, but they're playing this '80s pop song. And the whole time, this man is running for his life and eventually succumbs to a brutal murder by this group yeah. of, of women that that he oppressed. So it's very similar in theme and in in uh, scene as the 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 one from uh, Babylon Five. So I thought yeah. that was interesting. So I would I, I wouldn't I sh- be surprised if they had a, if there was a connection there for sure. Right. I I, I should mention to my wife uh, to to the the fans listening here that my wife is now watching the show with me and taking mm. her own notes. So I I thought that was fun. We that we have a con we have awesome. a convert. That is awesome. And I you mentioned that before we went on the air, and I was like I said I'm so glad she watched this episode because this is a good episode. Right. This was, I mean, this was a good, solid one, and there was a lot to like about it and to get interested in about it. So that's, that's fantastic. I feel really good to hear that. Um, I was going to sing. He, I was going to say he was probably singing, and I went to the trees to hide my face, and the trees <laughs> cried out, no hiding place. So yeah, it could have been a little connection there. I don't know. Um, let's see. Somebody asked JMS, "Will 500 Narns die in retaliation for the death of Rifa?" And JMS basically says no because this was kind of like something they want to cover up more, so they don't want to advertise it. Right. And and then you mentioned the thing about William Forward being surprised about getting it. Do you do you have anything you want to say about that? I got a couple of notes, but that's you know. He went to the producers and asked, "What did I do wrong? Are you guys mad at me? Why are you writing me out of the show?" Because yes. he thought he was like he thought he was a regular or something, I guess. But yeah. uh, they said, "No, on the contrary, we love your character. Your character is very popular, and we think that's why he's the best the best one to die." Right yeah. Now. Because, and excuse me, JMS said, you know, the the one of the reasons we killed him off, you know, so abruptly and unexpectedly is because he wanted to, to show that anybody could die at any point in this series now. I mean it's 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 open season on on even fan favorite characters. Well, I mean we lost Kosh and we mm-hmm. lost Rifa. That's yep. I mean you're starting to lose you're starting to get closer to the center. And let's not forget Warren Keffer. Yes, that's right. That's, and that was and we well we lost Talia, but she did or didn't die depending on how you look at it. Right. Um, but um, yeah, it's true. I wonder who else could be uh, death coming to visit. Um, yeah. So we saw, and then somebody asked uh, JMS that Wayne Alexander was listed in the credits. Who did he play? And he says he was the Narn who first met Jakar, the only one with any lines. Wayne has a considerably larger role in your force as JMS. Huh. Join us in the spoiler space in a few moments. All right. Let's get into it. We have our categories, and I'm curious to see what you think, because there were a lot of good... There, I don't know how many humongous scenes, other than one that is like an all-timer for me. I mentioned it before. All right. But... Um, I'm curious to see what you think. So what was your high point of this episode? My high point was Lord Rifa's demise. I love that whole scene. I love the way he was maneuvered into it. And uh, Peter Jurassic gave a, a, another resounding performance you know, with yeah. his monologue. I mean, even though there were other people in the room, it was still a monologue because he filmed <laughs> that by himself. <laughs> it's so, true. Uh, it's true. Uh, That's funny. 
I, I just love that that whole entire the 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 situation and the 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 resolution of it right there in that scene was was pretty awesome. It was really really well done, well well written, well directed, well acted, the whole nine yards. I don't know if you noticed or not, but there's there's one point when um, uh, Londo walks through the 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 uh, what, the projection of Londo passes through where Jakar is standing, and Jakar kind of shivers. Yes. And there's another one when. Uh, um, Londo swings his arm around while he's, you know, talking, and uh, Rifa kind of in- involuntarily flinches away from. Him. Yes, <laughs> and and uh, Jurassic wasn't on that that set when that when they were doing those reactions. They, I mean, he, he wasn't there filming that right then. He he went through all the rehearsals, and they watched him, you know, film that. Watched him do it like you know eight or nine times, so they knew how to react at certain points. I mean, they That's, knew where he walked. I mean, so that was – it wasn't ad-libbed, but it was – I mean, it was them reacting to somebody who wasn't even there based on what they had watched. So I thought it was really well done. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. How did they know when to move? They just practiced it? That's amazing. They, they, they rehearsed – well, they watched him film that scene like eight or nine times, and they memorized – I'm sure they had markers on the ground where they were at the time. Yeah. So, you know, they – like, like Jakar um, – uh, Andreas watched him when he was walking around, watched filming it, watched him walk right over his marker. So he knew at that point, you know, that he needed to flinch. And Jurassic was was off stage saying those lines while they were filming their part. So they they knew where roughly yeah. where he would be moving and stuff like that, just based on you know what what he was saying. So that was I don't know if that was ad libbed, but but uh, yeah, Andreas moved right when he was supposed to. It was really cool. That was awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it convinced me that there was a hologram there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was amazing. That's really good. Well, I'm glad you laid all that out. Yeah, that's really cool. My high point of the episode is not only the high point of this episode, but for me, it's the high point of the entire series and possibly the high point of all of space opera ever. Because awesome. at the end of this episode... We get a moment where basically the king and queen of the galaxy kiss in front of a window behind which is a giant fleet of starships that they are in command of. That is the most space opera scene ever filmed by man. And I love it. I love those characters. I love them together. I love their giant fleet of ships. Those ships are my second favorite (laughs) spaceships of all time. It is the greatest space opera moment in history, I would argue. In good sci-fi tradition, only one of those two characters kissing the other was kissing the other character for the first time. That's right. (laughs) Oh, my head hurts. Let's don't go down that path again. I don't want to get another headache. (laughs) And then I'll just be reminded that how insane you are, and we'll have to start all that up again. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm going to make Andy die. Every time Andy takes a drink of wine, he antagonizes me into saying something that makes him laugh. So, All right, we will leave it at that. But I think those are definitely two very high points. There's no doubt about it. There's some dang high points in this episode. All right, what is your – and we've kind of gone to low points being like points that are depressing rather than points that are just not well done, and I think that's fair enough for this part of the series. So what is your low point of this episode? Low point for me was uh, Carr experiencing the destruction of Narn in person for the first time. That was rough. I mean, he had to hold the uh, he had to hold 
the mask over his face of all the mm-hmm. the the topsoil that had been you know blasted into the the atmosphere that will be there for what seventy years I think they said or something like that something like many years so yeah ago. I mean that's uh yeah that was uh, that and, and just so subdued and and just dropped by that and it was uh it was pretty sad yeah I had that one but the other one I had was Londo forcing Veer to betray Jakar. Now, we know in hindsight later, it wasn't as bad as it seemed. But the way that Londo right. talked to Jakar, I mean to Veer, the way that Londo talked to Veer to make him do it, and he was tricking him into thinking he was, you know, was to me, that was like the low point ever for Londo. Again, I know it was fake, but at the time, when I didn't know that, I thought this is the absolute bottom of the barrel for Londo. If this is how Londo is now, I don't even want him to be redeemed. I want him to be crushed like, you know, I want Mr. Morden to be crushed or whatever. So I was very right. relieved later when we find out he had to do that because of the telepath. Right. And I, I initially had that as, as my low point because that was a, that was rough to, to watch. Yeah. Even knowing how the... the um, how it all turned out and why he was doing it. He was doing it more to protect, you know, yeah. Veer and the, and the, their subterfuge that, that he had to do it. But it, it was still, it was tough to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's still, every time I watch it, even knowing now that it's a trick, I still just kind of recoil in horror when he does it. What? All right. So your wife mm-hmm. was watching it for the first time. Did she kind of look at you like, what the heck, man? She does. She did, but she, I mean, she doesn't know Londo like we know Londo. She doesn't okay. know Londo first season Londo at all. Right. So she and she knows Londo as as kind of like space Nazi Londo. Yeah. Uh, so she was like, man. I mean, she thought for sure he was a a, a complete jerk. Mm-hmm. I mean, she 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 did look at me and she's like, it, does he even like that guy? Why is he being so mean to him? And I you know I explained not the reason why he was doing it, but I explained you know what he had what he had been through. Kind of a, a quick recap of his character arc and why he was you know being a jerk to veer so mm-hmm. yeah she she i mean she she came away with me and that lano guy's pretty evil she thought he was the main bad guy of the series well it's funny you say that um i've got the uh f- what that is uh i can't think of his first name peter fleming maybe a lithograph movie poster of babylon 5 that he did and mm-hmm. he said in his commentary about it he has Londo in the back like Darth Vader's head. And he said, I, right. needed a, I needed a villain, and Londo seemed like the one I should put there. Because for a lot of the series, he's the he's kind of the heavy, which we never would have predicted in right. season one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about most Babylon 5 scene? Oh, it has to be the first kiss. That was that was just spectacular. I mean, it was it was pretty darn cool. I mean, that was, like you said, it was the king and queen of the galaxy coming together. I mean, that... that that was has been the focus of the the whole series is the, the uniting of the Minbari and the humans, and it sets the whole future out as well. So, um, and then the whole fleet of of white stars was really freaking cool. God, so so great. yeah, it was it was it was a it was a it was a, a not just a like you mentioned before, not just a great Babylon Five, but it was a great a great scene in science fiction and television history. Yeah, I wish they had done a scene in. Uh... Space 1999, where where uh, Commander Koenig and Dr. Russell are kissing while a bunch of eagles fly by outside the moon base. That's, <laughs> that's the only thing that could have been as cool as this, and even it wouldn't have been as cool as this. I we just kind of you know they they 
They never had more than four or five eagles at a time. They just kept making more. <laughs> I mean, when one blew up, they would replace it with two more. Eagles are like Doritos. They'll make more. Just crunch all you want, right? They'll make more. <laughs> and they did. Boy, they crunched a lot. Um, I can't have, I can't remember how many times they said, take Eagle 1. I'm like, you blew three of those up in the last five episodes. Come on. How many Eagle 1s do you have? They just keep getting promoted. They did. I, Eagle, I think Eagle so. Eagle 1, by the end of the series, started out as Eagle 27. It did. 100%. 100% accurate. All right. For most Babylon 5 scene, I just kind of flipped with you. So I have the death of Rifa. And, you know, they both work. They're both, those are the two high, I think those are the two like, right. emotional moments of the show. Favorite character moment. You, you know yeah. You know what my second most Babylon 5 moment what choice was? Hit me. And it was a very minor scene right at the very beginning when they're lining up all the telepaths and shipping them out oh. to fight on the on the different ships for the League of Non-Aligned Worlds. For that sure. was that was very Babylon 5 because they're building an army, you know, against yeah. against the shadows. So, I thought no, that was pretty sure, cool. Yeah. So, uh I'm sorry, what was the next one? The favorite character moment. Character moment? Um, I had a hard time choosing this one. I did too. You know what? I have written crud. I did this a, a few days ago. I have written down, "I am helping you." Who said that to who? <laughs> I, should, I should have taken better notes. That's awesome. I love that we have another unanswered question coming out of the notes. That's fantastic. Another unanswered question. Why did Andy say who's I'm helping you or something? Or, uh, I, who said that? I don't. That I, I want to say I want to say that that was the um, that that was the, uh, the the minister talking to uh, Sheridan because I loved that scene. Oh yeah, I that thought that was, was a, a good really scene. good scene. The sweet and in the I want to say yeah. right. I, I want to say that was that, that was the scene. I, I can't say that for sure though. So. Um, We'll we'll keep chatting, and I'll see if I can't I can't jog my memory a little bit. <laughs> no, that's that's funny. That, well, I like that better even because I mean I got several, so we'll hit we'll hit them all here. All right, I got yeah, three. go ahead. Right, well, actually, I got more than that. John and Delenn several times during this episode have a wonderful character moment. Obviously, the one at the end, but also earlier on, which I'm going to get to in funniest moment. There's several good John and Delenn moments. A lot more than usual in this episode. All right. Uh, right. Then uh, Veer has some big moments in this episode because he's yes. depressed and everything. And then Londo and Jakar together and separately have some amazing moments. There's just too many favorite character moments in this episode to really cover them all. Right. And then there's the one you can't think of. <laughs> I I just found out what it was. Oh yes, hit us. Let's go. All right. Uh, it was it was when uh, Will Dexter was talking to Sheridan and he said because cleaning up your place helps forget what a mess I've made of mine. Mm. And when I sweep my floor, all I've done is sweep my floor. But when I help clean your place, I am helping you. And that was the the reverend's wife, which when they first started dating, talking about helping him clean his apartment. And that is such a cool it, it, it's just a, a, a cool turn of phrase mm. and it's a, it's a cool emotional moment. I mean that, you know, my wife and I have similar discussions all the time when I'm trying to help her. She goes, why are you always helping me? It's because I'm helping you. It's, it's you know, it's it's it makes me feel better. So yeah, that that kind of resonated with me a little bit. So that yeah, that was that was my favorite character moment. So what was your final? What what ones did you settle on? I, well, you still I, haven't settled on. No, well, the, the, the problem is, I don't want to just keep saying John and Delenn for everything because this is a right. great John and Delenn episode, but it's a great Londo and Jakar and Veer episode too. Yep. And um, it, but you, you know, you know. Out. 
this is the first time that Jakar and and uh, Lando have worked together to, towards the same goal. Yeah, yeah, because they so they yeah. overlapped. They had overlapping interests. Right, yeah. right, exactly. But I and mean, then, they they never they never communicated directly, but they 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 cooperated on the same plot. So well, that was part of the unanswered questions I didn't really go into was how exactly did Londo get the message to Jakar and convince him he was telling the truth to trust him with his life, basically, and all that other stuff. I mean, a lot happened off camera when you stop and think about it in this episode. Right. I think, and, and my wife and I discussed this, I think when he sent Veer to talk to him, I don't remember if it was explicitly shown on screen, but I think Veer gave him a data crystal not knowing what was on the data crystal, just assuming that it was the information about Natoth. But I think there was additional information strictly for Jakar from Malari to, to discuss the plot. Yeah. I, there, there had to be something so compelling that Jakar 100% believed him and was willing to risk his life to do right. it. Right. Um, and it was mainly the, the freeing of 2,000 Narns or whatever. I yep. did think it was interesting that Re- it turns out Rifa killed about as many Narns as Hitler killed Jews. Yeah. Wow. I did I mean I knew Rifa was bad, but dang man, that's that's Hitler bad. <laughs> that's a whole other level I, of bad. I, I wanna say that the, the number was almost exact. Was I mean not exact down to the down to the last six, person. It, but six it's, yeah, said five or six million. So yeah, that's yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's how many yeah. Jews, not, not not how many people in general died in the uh, concentration camps, but specifically how many Jews did. Yeah, so. I think so. I, w- I wonder if there's a correlation there. I wonder if that was I, intentional. I imagine it probably was, considering yeah. that JMS being who he was and who his right. father was when we read his biography. Woo. Um, okay, f- now let's take a hard turn here. Funniest moment. <laughs> that was awkward. Funniest moment was uh, with... Uh, the um, the religious leaders came from from Earth and disembarked on the Babylon Five, and they were sparring back and forth with uh, Brother Theo. And Brother Theo mentioned the uh, the Lord the Lord likes, or I, I forget the exact turn of phrase, but he he was cracking on uh, uh, the Reverend's singing ability. That yeah. that is not what the good Lord had in mind when he said joyful. Yeah, a joyful noise. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, good. I thought that was neat. Yeah, that was fun. Um, I did think that was good. I put down when Delin sort of pulls out a thesaurus and says cranky, grumpy, crotchety, right. gives them all the whole, and he's not even paying any attention to her at all. It's really frustrating. Right. I'm like, come on, pay attention to her. Uh, the and other one though. What's, what's funny about that is that was kind of a, 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 a gentle teasing of uh, Mia Furlan because while she spoke English, she wasn't fluent in English. And she always carried a dictionary around with her. So when some, somebody said something she didn't understand, she would flip out that dictionary real quick and, and see what they were, what what that word meant. So that was kind of a little, a little <laughs> and fun way to incorporate that into the into the thing. It just kept leading to other words. I thought I like right, I like how yeah. she put it that you learn you're trying to look up one word, it just tells you another word you don't know, and you just right. keep leading it down the <laughs> rabbit hole of yeah, crunky, cranky, grumpy, crotchety. Um, remember motor butt. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, the other another. Oh, uh, go, go ahead. ahead. The you other go. funny scene that I thought of was when they were discussing how uh, what they thought the shadows' plan was was to to funnel all the refugees into one area so that they could then attack it 
as like a terror strike, you know, to terrorize everybody by killing all these millions of innocents. And Sheridan said, well, that's what I would do. And Delenn stops and says, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, if I were a bad guy, that's what I would do. <laughs> you have to think like a bad guy, Delenn. No, you don't ever <laughs> want to be like them. No, she was very offended at the thought of trying to think like yeah. the enemy. That was, right. yeah, that was kind of a fascinating glimpse of Delenn's thinking that she would totally reject trying to, you know, play out in her mind what the shadows would do. That That's why she was religious cast and not warrior cast. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, the other funniest moment I had was just watching Lanier trying to sing a gospel song. <laughs> and to be fair, to be fair, Billy Mummy is a good musician. So he, he's a rock star. I mean, yeah, literally a so rock if, and roll. So, yeah. So if Billy Mummy was actually being himself there, he'd have been right with it. hundred percent. Right. He'd have been right with it. So he was having to act like he didn't get it and, <laughs> and didn't and couldn't quite get with the funk, you know, with the song. So that was pretty good. All right, here we go. Who won this episode? I had a couple choices, but I think, oh man, it, it came down to uh, Sheridan and Londo. And I went with Londo because I think Londo actually set out to play a game and won it. Whereas Sheridan just got a, like, a, a prize at the end, like like he reached yeah. down and and out came a prize. But I think Londo <laughs> calculated and, da, 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 da. right <laughs> at the bottom of a cereal box. There it is. I think uh, Londo's the one that put a, a game into motion and, and played it well and ended up winning. I agree with you. It was not Sheridan. I put down that this was rarely an episode where both Londo and Jakar win. Mm, good point. And, and in a way, by working together, although it really wasn't right. Jakar's idea, but he was in on it. So usually either one or the other of them wins. It's not very often right. they both win. So that was that was nice. Yep. All right. Well, then who lost this episode? And I think we all know who lost this episode. I think uh, Rifa clearly lost this one. Yeah, he was the biggest loser in a while. Right. When 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 the last thing that is said about you is leave the face and head intact so they can be identified. <laughs> That's not a good thing you want to hear right before you... Uh, right, you know. with him right there in the room. That had to be a little bone chilling. Good gosh. And they went to town on him, too. And Jakar just yep. turns and walks away while the Narns are pounding away on him. Right, so. and that was almost identical to that scene from uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Where the uh, the the main protagonist watched the whole thing happen and turned around and walked away. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, in this case, I took it to mean that Jakar knew this was necessary and he did it, but he didn't take any great pleasure and he wasn't going to stand there and revel in the blood. He he right. felt like it needed to be done. He facilitated it, and once it was underway, he kind of just turned and didn't want to be any more part to, to do with it. Yep. Which represents how he is now. I think in season one, he'd have been there with popcorn. Oh, absolutely. He would have been there with, and you know, he would have been shoving the other nouns out of the way so he could get a good licking or two. <laughs> yeah, he would. That's right. That's yeah. right. So he has come a long way. All right. I actually put four or five exclamation points after Rifa for who lost the episode, just to make sure, <laughs> I was, make sure it was clear that that's right. who I, I lost. <laughs> oh, here's here's always the most interesting moment of every episode, Andy. How do you rate? We, we rate on a scale of zero to five, and we do point fives. So where does this episode rank for you? You know, I, I this one, 
was one of those where I could go either way, up or down. It was it was right at a point five. Yep. Um, so That's I ended cool. up giving it a a three. It was between a two point five and a three, but I think the the big scene at the I, it was a solid A plot. Um, yep. I thought the 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 way it all played out was really cool. The B plot was more of an extended character moment than an actual plot, but I thought that was it, it was a really strong character bit and the the payoff at the end of the the b plot was really super cool so all that combined and reef you know having reefa and his eyebrows together in the same episode is always <laughs> worth a point five. so that, this one came out to be a three it, it wasn't a huge story or or an action-packed story or anything like that but it, it was a solid story so it gets a three i agree with everything you say i was just bouncing between a three and a three point five I'd probably just give it an extra point five for um, that moment at the end that's so great. But it was a very yeah. impactful episode. You lose a fairly major mid-level recurring character in it. You know, yep. a guy on about the same level probably as Bester, to be to be yeah. fair, or Mister Morden in terms of how often they appear and everything, right. and how important they are. Um, so I gave it a three point five, but I said a strong three point five. I I I don't know that it could have made it to four. But Agreed. 3.5 was about as high as I could go with it, and that's what I gave it. I don't think 3.5 is, is out of out of whack at all. I think that's a very fair... And as we always point out, there are strong episodes that get 3 or 3.5 just because there are some 4s, there's some 4.5s, and we've even, had a, we've even had a couple of... Fi- How many 5s have we had so far? Two? I want to say two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know Severed Dreams got a 5 from me. Yeah. Did I, I I I bet I gave War Without End a five. I think I did. You did, Hopefully. yeah. I think I did, yeah. It so was very it was very close to what I gave it. I, I remember that. So. <laughs> you liar! Wait 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 wait! I've got that. I got the. You lied to me. Release the hounds. <laughs> <laughs> I had that standing by, man. I have the soundboard right here. Oh um, golly. Well, in any case, um, <laughs> that was uh, that was that episode. That was in the Rock Crowd No Hiding Place. We do have patron comments and questions and stuff here. I'm going to run through real quick, and then we have spoiler space. So we're not quite done yet. Um, we have to thank our patrons who who went to www.b5review.com and clicked on the button to become a patron and signed up to help keep the show on the air. They include, as of this recording on Monday night, August 29th, 2022, they include our great patron Allison Rich and Colonel Dad. And, oh, <laughs> I have a comment for this, but Emma Jane Alexander, not EJ Alexander anymore. I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. Leah G., Lisa Alexander, Psy Rating P30. Wow, that's impressive. Dragon Con Delin. Uh, Emmanuel Seaman, Lady Sif is one of our new uh, patrons this time, Mond06, Michael O'Connor, Stu Parker, The Geek Boy is one of our new patrons this week, Heather and Yancey Steingrabber, Ice Cream Clone with a Boba Fett head, Michael Halbrook, and Zaha Doom Patrol. I like that Zaha Doom Patrol. That's good. All right. (laughs) So, and by the way, as some of you have figured out, you can put any name you want to into the name on Patreon, and that's what I will read. This crowd hasn't done a lot of that yet, and that's cool. <laughs> but, our, but my football show that John Ringer and I do, we have all kinds of, of uh, names on there that people want me to read, 
and they, you can almost put like a paragraph in there. And right. they have certain thing they have certain things on the soundboard they want me to play. I don't know if I have anything on the soundboard that would qualify. I need to get I need to add more Babylon Five sound effects to. I have I actually have this, but that's not exactly a Babylon Five sound effect. There was no that's, sound effect there. Ah, you know what? I bet that I bet it's oh the power went out. Mm. You know what? That's what happened. The power went out. I'll have to fix that in just a minute. All right. So those are the patrons. I was playing the Doctor Who theme. Um, oh, okay. I, I do miss Spanky. <laughs> yeah, that, back when we had the Auburn people on here, too. Um, but, yeah, I have the, we have the Doctor Who theme because when we talk about somebody's in the college football transfer portal, we play this as the portal yeah. theme in the background. <laughs> so, anyway, so here are some of the comments from... Wait a second. I, I, I want to fix that because I don't want Andy to not hear what's going on. And I have to click a button here, y'all. Stand by with me. It has to go to voice meter output. Aha. You know, Van, I think I, I think there's a very small segment of fans that know what the college transfer portal even means. <laughs> it's probably not a lot of Babylon 5 fans. Well, here's what Andy missed a second ago. Now he hears it good. Okay. There you go. So there's the only... That's, I'm, that's classic. It is classic. I'm going to add more Babylon 5 sound effects as we go along. All right. So here comes the, the comments. Colonel Dad says, Flash Gordon trope theme song, John Sheridan, ah, king of the impossible. <laughs> um, and he I, says... I will mention, before we... we that just jogged a memory. The uh, Centauri mm-hmm. guards, there was two different guard uniforms in this particular episode. Oh. And they both look straight out of the uh, uh, Flash Gordon wardrobe. They do. They're awesome. They do. You're right. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, I also have this sound effect. Laugh while you can, monkey boy. That's always a classic right there from uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Um, Colonel Dad also said maybe the Vorlon sent a military kosh, I guess Ulkesh, to B5 because they knew the war was at, was at hand and wanted like a more military representative there to see how the humans and other younger races were conducting the campaign. I, I'll accept that as much as anything I could think yeah, of. That tracks for sure. Sure, yeah. All right, we have a new patron, the Geek Boy. Hey, guys, I'm a member of a fan group that does a weekly B5 retrospective, and since I discovered your podcast, I've started using some of the pearls of wisdom, as well, I guess from our show, as well as, <laughs> cons- as, well as considering some of your POV's point of view on episodes where we differ. Um, finally jumped in and became a patron. Glad to support you guys. Keep up the good work. And if you're so inclined, look us up on Facebook at fanboys 918 Thanks again. Love the show. The Geek Boy. So we appreciate that, uh, Geek Boy. We appreciate that very much. He also That's very cool. I, I, I love the fact that our, our conversation is spurring others' conversations. That's oh, great. Oh, yeah. That's great. He also says, my daughter loves Gray 17 is Missing. And before you ask, she is an adult. She's actually 31. <laughs> and she gives it a pass because of the Delenn Ranger 1 B-plot. But yeah, for my money, it depends on the day of the week and my mood for which is the worst episode of the series, Gray 17 or TKO. Uh-huh. I, I can answer that question. Double die. <laughs> Double die. Double die. We love but, it you know, so much. To, to his point, the... It, there is no single episode of Babylon 5 that is just trash from beginning to end. No. Because uh, there's usually two or three different plots going on, sometimes four or five different plots going on, yep. Yep. and the majority of of them are going to be good. So this one had a super strong B plot and mm-hmm. just a, a really weak A plot, 
And so it, it gets, you know, trashed for that because, you know, we're comparing it to the rest of the series. But yeah, it it, it is fifty uh, percent of the episode is, is fantastic. And if it were paired with a stronger A plot, it would have been a, a you know a, a top tier episode probably. Sure. Yeah. Two point five to three for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Allison Rich, longtime supporter Allison Rich, says, Gray 17, just like TKO, is not entirely without merit. So there you go. You and Allison, as always. <laughs> Alice, Allison is, is, she is sharp. So, yep. yeah, she, she knows her business for sure. Y'all are always on a wavelength. It's interesting. Yep. Says the A plot's pretty bad, but nothing B5 is truly awful, which is exactly what you just said. Andy had not yep. seen your comment, Allison. That was entirely... Hey. His All own right. thoughts before I even read it to him. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Allison also says, regarding we are all Kosh, could it be that this is what the Vorlons call themselves? For example, Finland is Suomi and Japan is Nippon. They are Vorlons to us, but Kosh may be who they are to themselves. Our original Kosh was being perhaps a bit extra enigmatic by going only by the one name. For all we know, his real name could have been Bob. To which I say, <laughs> hi, Bob, and see if anybody <laughs> out there gets what I'm referring to when I say hi, Bob, in a science fiction show. Andy, you probably don't know the reference yet, but you will. I don't. Wait, have you started watching For All Mankind yet? I have not. Okay, you'll get it. Hi, Bob, you'll get it. All right. Um, all right. I'll just put it this way. Uh, there's a podcast about For All Mankind, and the, sh- the name of the podcast is Hi, Bob. <laughs> You'll get it. All right. All right. Cool. Lady Sif, one of our new uh, other new ones, says, Kosh's name was Kosh Naranek. I'm wondering if Kosh is some kind of title or if it's what they call themselves. Is Vorlon a Vorlon word, or is that what somebody else named them like maybe the Mimbari? That's a fair point. Yeah, uh, and she says whether or not Valen had children is dealt with further further in season four, episode nine. Okay, that's I think I'm, I'm, I I suspect I know which episode she's referring to, but we'll get to that one in a few months. Uh, right. Not actually a lot sooner than you'd think, probably. Right. She says the only reason I remember this specifically is because one of my favorite reactors on YouTube, Medusa Cascade, that's an interesting name, is about two thirds of the way through season four. Well. Lord bless Medusa Cascade. I hope she makes it through the whole blessed show. Um, Emma Jane Alexander. I forget, she said I forgot my login, so I couldn't comment for a while. But I've been listening. The notes. <laughs> the notes episode was great, and and I was going to mention to you, and I'll go ahead and mention it now since she said it. Uh, I feel like there are episodes coming up that we need to do a, another couple of those episodes, and and hopefully with you around, I won't have to do it by myself, but. Right. I feel like we could do some subsequent, like, catching up on the notes episodes uh, coming up, since there will be a lot to say about 322, probably, for example, 406, right. a few others, right? So maybe we'll maybe we'll do another one. of People seem to like that one. And I don't think they liked it just because yeah. it was me talking for an hour. I think they just liked the format. And so we can mix in a few of those. You know what I mean? I'm down with that. Cool. Um, and, of course, we've also got the Season 3 wrap-up episode coming up in a few weeks where we'll probably try to get uh, Nathan and Bobby back on the board as we had in the past. That would be cool. That, that would be great. Um, oh, she said the notes ep- – uh, she says, I changed my name so Van doesn't get confused anymore. I appreciate that very much, Emma Jane. I just it's n- – I, I'm still going to get confused, just not about that. <laughs> I get confused <laughs> about a lot of things. It's just sad. <laughs> Van okay. is easily confused. I'm so. easily confused. I am. Um, she says, I love Nehrun. He's one of my favorite secondary characters. I wish we had seen more of him with Marcus because they are great foils for each other. I agree. I'm sure Andy agrees. Mm-hmm. 
the traditionalist who does things that have always been done that way versus the convert, convert who does things because he believes in them is a brilliant dynamic. That's a good point. That's a good observation. We have yep. very smart listeners and very smart patrons, Andy. It's mar- we remarkable. We do. It's, it's, yeah, there, there must be some sort of correlation there. That must be, yeah. And it has nothing to do with me. I know that. Um, <laughs> John Vickery's performance really elevates what was on the page for the char- for his character. Yeah, well, John Vickery's great. And uh, we see him again later on as well. Not even He plays other roles besides Nerun, interestingly, and I think on Crusade. And she says, I never got the sense Nerun was a quote-unquote bad guy, just one who exemplifies the warrior caste pride and unwillingness to accept change. Um, there's a... Sp- Spoiler thing about in the beginning, and I'm going to pop, I'm going to just pop it out. I didn't notice it before, and and we'll we'll get to it in just a minute. And then she says, "Keep up the fantastic work, guys. I love this podcast very much. We love our listeners and our patrons very much. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate that." Um, and, uh, I'm moving her thing down to the bottom here. Okay. You know, I was I was I forget where this is from. My, my memory is just as bad as yours, Vance. But there was uh, something I was reading where a character was mentioning that tradition is only... It, it, it's good to keep tradition, but only to use as a lens with which to look at the future. Not something to, to, to maintain as is without change, but something to keep around to use as a lens to look at the future. I thought that was yeah, kind of cool. That is. That is profound. I like it. I like it very much. Um, that is all of the patron comments that we have. Um, our next installment will be recorded the week after Dragon Con, and yep. it will cover 321 Shadow Dancing. And it will Ooh. probably be, be prelude, pre, uh, prologued, preluded by a Z minus number probably it, it is because i watched it so yeah <laughs> wasn't shadow dancing a rick springfield song i don't doubt it at least the episode <laughs> three at least 321 isn't jesse's girl right that would really be weird you know johnny's girl <laughs> johnny, yeah johnny's girl yeah Oh man! That would so, be, yeah, yeah, it would be it would be like Lanier or Neroon or somebody singing. I wish that I had Johnny's girl. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, all right, I think it's time for our last little segment, which is it takes you through the jump gate. Jump gate activated. All right, we are moving to the other side of the jump gate for spoiler space. So if you haven't watched Beyond Three Twenty yet, stop now and uh, come back to this after you're done with the series. But I don't have a whole lot of spoilers other than a couple of things the patrons sent in. So, do you have Yeah, anything? why don't we go over that first? Okay. All right. Well, I did note that Wayne Alexander will return as Lorien, of course, which got to mm-hmm. have something to do with Lothlorien from Lord of the Rings. Uh, you which figure. Is a fairly major character at the, end of, at the beginning of the fourth season. And I also noted this is the episode where I really felt like things were moving toward a resolution. And I was going to ask you, Andy, did you see what happened in this episode coming? Did you kind of, the first time you watched this episode, did you dream that Rifa would die and there would be a whole fleet of white stars and all that? Not at all. I, yeah. I expected the white star to be like their one shining spaceship that they would tool around the galaxy in and fighting the shadows. I really had no idea that 
that they were planning a, to have a whole army of them. I thought that when I first watched it way back when, hmm. I, it floored me, and I thought, holy cow, that is super cool. Yet another example of, of them just pulling something out of their hats that just floored me. I mean, it was yeah. it was super cool because I, I, I just never – I never anticipated that at all. And, and Rifa dying was a big shock too. I thought oh, he'd yeah. be a foil all the way to the end, but <laughs> well, they, they tried so long JMS mainly to minimize the need for special effects because it took them so long to produce them every right. episode. Well, yeah. yeah but when they roll out a fleet of white stars, you're like, yeah, they're just JMS is like, I've got a story to tell and I can't be held back by the special effects limitations anymore. I need right. a fleet. That that completely reset my expectations for the the upcoming conflict mm. for sure. Yeah, I thought it'd be a one on one thing like the Defiant in, in Deep Space Nine, but no, this was hey, we got a whole freaking fleet. We're going to take on your freaking fleet. This isn't going to be a one on one thing. We're going to be you know boxing with the whole the whole gang. Yep, 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 yep. That's it. All right. Uh, Emma Jane goes on to say in the be- in in the, in in the beginning the movie. Uh, this is the argument that Lenan makes. Just because the Membari have been doing things a certain way for the past thousand years doesn't mean they should keep doing them that way. The warrior caste is very unwilling to believe there might be any threat from the shadows since they'll be the ones fighting them. It's the religious caste, specifically Dukat, who decides to do something about Lenan's warning. So, maybe some of Nerun's annoyance at Delin taking over command of the Rangers is about that, too. That his caste was so short-sighted and didn't recognize the bigger problems facing them. I think that's right on. Yeah. That's good. I do, too. Again, this is another case where our patrons are even smarter than we are, and we're not that, I mean, even. Our patrons are smarter than we are. It's it's a low bar though, Van. It I is mean, a low on. bar, my friend. It is, but we rec- we we understand that. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> Lady Sif says, "I don't know if this series is considered official canon or not, but in the and it is." She says, "In the third Legions of Fire book, that's the Peter David books, and they are one hundred percent canon." Okay, but in the third yep. Legions of Fire book, the Drak set off the bombs they have planted on Centauri Prime as a response to actions by Veer's underground resistance. In the book, this is why the city's on fire when Sheridan and Delenn are there. Okay, so that gives us three times that Centauri Prime is on fire? Am I... I, I yeah. remembered that. I just... I guess? And he says, this is what's... But, but, but Londo says this is because of your war. I, I just always felt like what happens in Season 5, where the Interstellar Alliance bombards... Centauri Prime, I felt like that was JMS having something that happens later in the story and he wanted it to happen in season five. And mm-hmm. so he moved it up and it just it doesn't fit there. I yeah. agree. Yeah. It's weird. It just doesn't fit. But anyway, I appreciate right. our listeners trying to make sense of it. I just at this point don't think it can be made sense of. I think I mean I think what Lady Sif says is makes as much sense as anything. I just Right, absolutely. I just don't know if there's any but yeah, okay. All right. And you got to remember that those novels were written after the series played out. So that could have been Peter David trying to kind of do a retcon to say, hey, this is why it was on fire. Absolutely. Oh, ab- absolutely. They're down. They're right off screen. Andy can't see them, but they're right by my, just above my little Iron Man squishy there. Van um, has a very impressive bookshelf behind him. <laughs> 
we got to do, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll do like a live show or a video show or something and actually record our video of ourselves doing this show one of these days. I don't know. Yeah, and I'll, I'll invite my cat. It'll, it'll be a party. Oh, you have your cat and your glass of wine. I have my bookcase and, <laughs> and, and my drink or tonight my beer, but usually my uh, whatever. And then, uh, yeah, and people can kind of figure out what I got behind me back here. I got the history shelf. I got some Warhammer stuff. I got some Marvel DC stuff. I got Boba Fett. You know, my wife and I, my wife and I watch MSNBC regularly, like several hours a day, and they always have the talking heads on. You know, they always have the people on to to analyze the news that's happening, and they're always sitting in their home office. And the the one thing that my wife and I both do is we pause it so we can look at all the the stuff on their bookshelves. <laughs> there you go. That's a COVID thing. That's a thing we all started to do during COVID. Right. Yeah, because everybody right, started absolutely. doing these things from home. That's right. That's right. And what, there's the one guy, Jason Johnson, he's a really he's a really good talking head. Um, he always has comic books, and he loves Green Lantern, The not the Hal Jordan, but the uh, the African-American guy. I forget what his name was. Uh, anyway, John he Stewart. always has... John yeah, John Stewart. He he has like a little John Stewart Funko back there and stuff like that. Oh, so he's nice. really big in the comic books. It's pretty cool. Very good. I haven't seen that. All right. Well, just a quick note again. Dragon Con coming up September 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, whatever Monday is is the last day. So Thursday through Monday. Um so come on to the come see us. Come see me and and folks um also our next episode again will be 321 shadow dancing then and then we'll do 322 zahadoom and then maybe we'll do kind of like a going through the notes episode and then we'll have uh, Bobby and Nathan on to do our season in review so we've got still got some stuff left to do for season 3 before we before we get to the hour of the wolf and you know what we could do with like the notes i don't know if our fans would be up for this or not but we could kind of like do that as not necessarily an hour and a half long show like we normally do, but just a shorter show and just squeeze it in between our two regular drops. So, hmm. okay, just we a will, thought. Just we will discuss. Thought. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. We will discuss and we'll figure out what we're going to do. And we're just trying to give you more content, folks, so that you can enjoy it. All right, I think it's time to wrap up. I'm going to let Andy get on out of here. You're in Eastern well, time. Wait, right wait, 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 wait a minute. I got, I got one thing to discuss in the. Uh, oh. The death of Lord Rifa is not the end of House Rifa. He has a daughter who ends up marrying uh, Vera Veer. Oh, I, where did we get that from? Where did we get that information? That, from I books? believe, is in one of the books. Okay. I, all I read was in canon, she does appear in one of the, the Babylon 5 movies, the TV movies. Mm-hmm. I think it's in the beginning, Rifa's daughter does. But in one of the novels, she ends up marrying Veer. She might be the lady that's got the two little kids she's kind of tending to around Londo and in the beginning. That's the only that person I can even think of. Yeah, because she's the one that like sees Londo as the old aging emperor, and he tells her the story. Yep. I could that be could it. Be. Yeah. Yeah. My, the, the source I read just said, in canon, Lord Rifa's daughter appears in the series in this, and also later... She married. She marries Veer. So, and Veer would like but, rehabilitate her back into being honorable, respectable, or whatever. I guess. Right, along with uh, the lady space Nazi. Ah, oh, he, he man, <laughs> talk about pestilence, war, famine, and death. Right. Veer's right. going to be married to Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini's daughters, right. or whatever. Good lord. <laughs> Well, on that note, I think I will let Andy yeah. go to bed, and I'm going to have to do some editing here, and we'll get this show up for folks as soon as possible. All right. That sounds good, man. We'll see you. Have fun at DragonCon. Say, say hi to everybody for me. We'll do it. 
This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.